0: As Neil said, it's been a pretty special weekend for us, and uh, we've talked about pretty audacious things that, you know, we couldn't possibly dream of doing and probably will, and uh, it's, uh, it's been pretty special, but I've been really looking forward to speaking today, although I, I love the round. I just feel so far away from everybody. I love... Um, um, I've been looking forward to speaking because, because I think for about seven weeks God has laid a, a word on me that has been kind of brewing uh, and, and, needs, and needs spoken. So we talked over the last uh, few days about what would it look like to be a church for the city. Not just a church in the city or a church against the city or a church that has things to say to the city, but what would it look like to be a church that's for, actively for the prospering and the peace and the shalom of a city? What would it look like to be the kind of church that makes that kind of difference, that a city would grieve if the church left? And we talked about that. And I felt that the Lord led me to the book of Isaiah. And I would love it if you'd open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles on a phone, feel free to do that. But read the Bible, nothing else. Isaiah 54. Um, And uh, Isaiah 54 is a fascinating passage of Scripture because it fits between Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 55, not surprisingly. Um, But Isaiah 53 is one of the most famous passages. In the Bible, you know, it's the suffering servant song. And Isaiah 55, once again, is one of those beautiful, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, come and drink. And Isaiah 54 is like pretty random or it appears pretty random. It says some stuff that we don't tend to speak about or, or preach on, but I felt the Lord led me to it for us. So I'm going to read just a few verses and then we'll go with it. The prophet Isaiah is called to write this stuff which is to be spoken to the people who are in exile. The people who are called to live out their faith in God in in an alien environment where everything is against the things of God. The prophet is called to write this and says this, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. It's probably why we don't preach on this very much. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you'll spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Let's just pray. God, we believe this is your word, and we have proven and tested and tried it. And our experience tells us, that it's still alive, that it's still relevant, and that it still speaks to our hearts. So God, would you come, and would you prove yourself again to be God? And would you speak truth to our hearts? Amen. So we have this huge uh, vision that we talked about. We talked about um, the potential of having a community for every thousand people in Edinburgh. We talked about potentially buying all the shops underneath here and developing a care center, a one-stop care shop for the whole of Edinburgh. We talked about all those kind of things. But I want to talk honestly this morning and say none of that is going to happen because you are too busy. None of it's going to happen is because I'm too full. None of it's going to happen because we haven't got space for it to happen. And I felt God say, Make space, because I like to fill space. Make space, because I like to fill space. In other words, the things that we dream about for our lives, the things that we dream about for our city, the things that we dream about for our friends and for our families, the flourishing that we want in our life is just not going to happen in some kind of mystical, incidental way that just happens around us. We have to play our part. And your part and my part is called make space for what God is going to do. That's, that's your responsibility and my responsibility. Make space for what God is. How, how many of you have a smartphone? Uh, t- take your smartphones out. Let me, just, let me see. Come on. Let's do it. Most of you have got a, 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 a smartphone. What I want you to do is take your smartphone and I want you to turn it off. Some of you have no idea where the off button is. <laughs> Just, I'm going to turn it off. Interesting, I knew I was going to speak on this today, and I, I woke up in a complete panic because my charger hadn't worked. <laughs> turn, it, turn it off. Turn, turn it off. I mean that. I'm, I'm serious. I, I read a survey this week by Deloitte that told me this. That the average smartphone user... Uses their smartphone for 30 days a year. I don't mean on 30 days you use your smartphone. I mean the the collective, the cumulative amount of time you spend looking at your phone is that's a month. So effectively, you have 11 months in your year, not 12, because you've got a a, a smartphone. We're on this thing. Here's the thing: my job is crazy, and so is yours. My kids are crazy. And so are yours. And the activities that we, we, we want, if you're a parent, with your kids, the activities that we're provoked to encourage them in to have a fully rounded parenting experience are just way beyond what's acceptable and what's possible. And there is no room in my life because my father once said something to me and it stayed with me and it drives me. And there is no space in my life because I could have more and that moves me. And there is no room in my life because everyone else is going and doing that thing, and that provokes me, and there is no space. And this thing doesn't help me. Well, I mean, I'm not going to have a rant about it. Well, I am a little. But it's because, because we used to have a paper diary, and now we have our diary electronically that gives us notifications, and everybody else in our family and in our friendship group's diary as well, in different colors. And we have alerts. I don't know why I have an alert that tells me that someone's trying to message me about what they're eating at this particular time, because it's always avocado toast. And, and this, is, this has meant that I now know everybody's birthday. Even people, I, I have no interest in knowing their birthdays. But I know their birthdays, but it puts pressure on me. And it's widened the circle of my contacts. It hasn't actually given me any new friends. And everybody else's social media is so enticing that it makes me feel bad about my my life. And listen, isn't it easy to waste time following somebody else's life and missing out on yours? Isn't that the truth? And ironically, how easy it is now to spend money with this. Isn't it? It's just like... You can do that and spend, and spend cash. Or even if you're bored at night, and there's nothing good on Netflix, you can just buy something on your phone. You spend money on stuff you don't need to ironically fill a hole that is currently over full with the wrong stuff. And suddenly this thing, this tool that was designed to make life easier and simpler has just made life more complex, and it's robbed us of margin. And, and here's the thing. If it was just your phone, it would be pretty manageable. Because we could just get rid of them or put them outside or do something, but, it, but actually, it's our lives. This is, not, this is not the issue. The issue is me. The issue is I like to make my life full and, and busy, and, and there is no space for God. And there's no space for God's vision, there's no space for God's city. And there's no space for this church but here's the thing according to the prophet we've just read it miracles happen when you make space miracles happen when you make space when you intentionally when i intentionally empty myself for his purposes he promises to fill me with his power and I know this is a sermon for me and I'm, I'm about to get in a car as soon as we've finished here and we're going to drive down to Bath because it's, it's our 25th wedding anniversary and, 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 and I know that I'm making a huge mistake in preaching this sermon because for 10 hours Nick is going to tell me all the things that I'm not doing that I need to make space for <laughs> and this is not going to go well for me so this is not me having to go at you Okay, this is just setting me up for a really interesting trip central The thing is this, make space. And we're going we're to encourage you in a minute or two and Hannah's going to come up and we're going to talk about how you can invest in being part of this family and this community and, and how we don't, we don't really want consumers, we want producers and we'll use all that language and we want, we want everyone to feel like this is, this is our church, this is ownership and this, that's one of the reasons why we're trying to do things in the round because we're trying to say this isn't about me standing up here miles away from contradiction, this is about us worshipping Jesus and discovering some stuff about who God is, that's what that's about we'll do all of that stuff but none of it is at all relevant unless we make space in our lives what 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 if what if the way we are handling our diaries and managing our money and parenting our kids and using our phones is getting in the way of god so the passage for today is a fantastic passage the passage is a prophetic picture Uh, given by God through the prophet Isaiah to be read to the people when they were in exile when they were trying desperately to work out how to live in a foreign city that doesn't love God how relevant is this? They're trying to work it out, and they're trying to work out how to do it. And God says, I'm about to do something remarkable that you won't even get your head around. I'm going to bring shalom, peace, and prospering, and rebuilding, and restoration. You're going to be in the heart of my repair job for a a foreign city. You'll be hope in a hopeless world. But you have to make space, or it's not going to happen. Why do you have to make space? God loves to fill space I mean just we haven't got time now but you could, you could go through this book and, and you, could, you could find every time that God's people make space God fills space You could check out the creation story in itself in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and darkness was over the surface of the deep there was, there was nothing and out of nothing God created something where there was nothing God comes and fills it the problem with our lives is he wants to fill us but we're already full He wants to fill us, but we're already full. He wants to use us, but we're already being useful. And God says, I'm going to ask you to sing when you don't feel like singing. Because it evidences faith, and it's like an invitation into the lack of your life. And God says, I'm going to ask you to stretch when you think you've stretched enough, and you couldn't possibly stretch anymore, because it's going to remind you of your dependence on me for everything. And God says I'm going to ask you to set yourself when when everything around you is stretching. Because when you set yourself it's an indication of confidence in my ability and it gets my attention. It makes space. And and you making space is going to become the breeding ground of miracles. That's what's going to happen. You making space is going to become the breeding ground of miracles because you're saying, I can't do it, I can't manage it, I can't fund it, I can't fix it, and I can't sort it. God, you're going to have to show up and do it. And what you're doing is you're saying, God, here is an invitation for you to do your thing. So will you sing? Will you sing when you have no right to sing? Thank you. (laughs) When you don't feel like singing, i tell you why, because singing changes stuff. Singing changes the atmosphere. And singing shifts the focus. And singing screams to a world, but more importantly to our souls that we will live in faith and not in fear. That although the circumstances say that life sucks a little bit, we believe in a God who's bigger than all that stuff. So sing in the house, and sing in the car, and sing on the bus if you've got a really good voice. (laughs) That rules some of you out. Some of the people that I'm standing around—that's not. (laughs) That's a joke. You're amazing. And sing, and, and sing not just because of the song, sing because the very act of singing is something incredibly prophetic. In the act of singing, you're saying, "I'm taking a risk to act irrationally in the present." For a short and certain future that I'm not sure and certain of. Does that make any sense? Sing for the coming pregnancy. Sing, oh barren woman, for the coming pregnancy. In other words, sing with complete faith and expectation about something that you're not completely sure is going to happen, but you're totally sure in God. And then give space for God to do something because you're posturing yourself towards faith and, and not fear. Sing. You know, a vision, of, a vision for us of establishing a transformation center, a one-stop triage service where people who, who are struggling in life, in every aspect of life, can come together and see the kindness of God mediated by the people of God is irrational. A few months ago, we were talking about deficit in our budget. It's, it's just nuts. So sing for it. Sing for it. Make space for it. Stretch. Don't just sing. Stretch. When you think you might have stretched enough already, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less when he's inviting you into more. Notice the passage scripture says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Why? Because he fills things. He fills things. He fills things. The more space you make, the more he's going to fill stuff. That was a good point. Space you make. The more he's going to fill stuff. Because he loves to see your faith. So plant businesses and non-profits and church communities. And do Alpha as a whole church and invite your friends and establish a care center and love the city. The, the reason is this. The way in is the way on. In other words, you got into this thing. We got into this thing. We had this building. We, we're gathering today because we speculated on the power of God. Don't start consolidating now you began this thing in dependence we couldn't do it it was a ridiculous thing to even begin don't start living incompetence well we can only do it if we can afford it and make it happen we've got the people lined up and everything's gonna no 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 we move by revelation and then we do rationale what has God said and then and then how are we going to make it happen and we have a responsibility in all of that but God is God you started this thing as an adventure as stewards holding everything like this Now, don't become owners and hold everything like this. Stretch yourself. I want you to notice that the the, the, the prophet says this is a tent, not a temple. Stretch it. Do you like our tent? I had nothing to do with the tent. But I think it's cool. If you like it, it was my idea. I I think God is trying to remind the people of God of their wilderness wanderings. I think he's trying to say, remember remember the tenth thing. Remember the year you, you moved around 40 years. There was never a place. There was always a place. And you were a pilgrim people wandering, trusting in me. There is a promised land, but we're a pilgrim people. He might just be trying to remind us that we used to be at Holy Corner. And then we outgrew that. And then we got Braid. And then we outgrew that. And then we got this. And, and now we have ox gangs And now we have Stenhouse. And we do not get to say, this will do. We don't get to say this'll do now. Oh, isn't it good? Because every because every time a community says this will do, it's like the death knoll. This will do. Stretch. And then set yourself for God. Strengthen your stakes. Go deep. This is about Jesus. This is the grand plan but he is a good God. And effectively, the message of everything we're talking about is we get to know him. And we get to walk with him every day. And he gets to be our priority. And I need Jesus, and so do you, and so does this city, and that's the thing. Church, we we make space in our lives by making room in our hearts for Jesus. Every moment, every day, every day. And and see what happens. As we make room in our hearts for Jesus, Jesus in us grows. And when Jesus in us grows, Jesus in us shows. And then this thing that we thought was dreadfully difficult, that we had to share our faith with people, and then we'd try to get into an alpha course, and it becomes a very natural thing because we made room in our heart for Jesus. And Jesus in us grows. And Jesus in us shows. And people begin to ask questions about why you react the way you react and why you do the things you do and why you spend money the way you spend money and why you love the way that you you love. Here's the thing guys. We have to get intentional about this because there is an attack on your space. Look at verse 4 of the passage. There is an attack on your space sometimes explicit, sometimes implicit, but there is attack in our culture and our society on your space. There is no space, not because randomly there happens to be no space, but because there is an attack on your space. Isaiah says this, don't be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. Why does he say that? Because he says there's going to be a real attack on your space. And it's going to come in the form of fear, shame and disgrace. There's an attack on your space and it's going to come in the form of fear and shame and disgrace and it's going to limit your life. And Isaiah says don't let fear lead you anymore. Because it has a tendency to do that, doesn't it? Fear gets a hold of something and it begins to lead you. You have every right to feel afraid but you don't have to be afraid. Sing. Sing. And stretch. Walk in the opposite spirit of it. Don't let shame shape you anymore because it's been doing that for the longest time for you in your life. Don't let shame shape your life any longer. You have every right to feel shame because you know you and you know what you did. But you don't have to be ashamed because He is forgiveness, perfect and pure. So sing. And then stretch. Listen, don't allow disgrace to be our story anymore, Central. Don't allow disgrace to be, because there are voices, external and internal, that will shout very loudly and tell you that church is done, that church is finished, that we're a bit of a sham, that we've let people down, that, that churches are closing, that church is on the decline, and actually church shouldn't have a prophetic voice in the nation because of what we've done, even today, on, on uh, uh, Archbishop Welby was saying, we have, we have lost the moral high ground, we can't speak about stuff anymore, don't let disgrace don't let disgrace be our story anymore because this is not who we are. This is not who we are. But let the story of grace banish disgrace. Let the story of grace. You have to make space. Fear and shame and disgrace will encourage you to fill your life with control, comparison, and comfort. This is important, we're gonna go here. Let me say that again. Fear and shame and disgrace will encourage you to fill your life with control, comparison, and comfort. And and here's the thing you will spend your life always trying to measure up, always trying to hold on, and always settling for less. But here's the truth. Control is a liar, comparison is a thief. And comfort will limit you. Control is a liar. You are not in control. And you will never be in control. Comparison is a thief. You're going to spend your life trying to compare yourself to other people and never live your life. It will rob you of your life. And comfort will limit you. If that's the ultimate goal, it will ultimately suffocate the God life in you. And God says, will you make some space for me in just a moment Hannah's going to come up and she's going to help us much more focused than I am this morning she's going to help us recommit ourselves to being part of this family and and how you can come around and join in and give generously and serve joyfully and own it corporately but I need to tell you it's way bigger than that I care about that but I care more about this God is asking you to take a risk letting go of some stuff allowing some things to die dealing with some stuff to make some space to follow God in his dream for your life and in his dream for this city but before we do any of that just really quickly we'll land the plane here there's one more prophetic thing from this passage of scripture you need to know that God is with you in this and you need to know that it's good you need to know that God is never going to propel you into space to harm you, but to free you. And, and the reason that's important is because, I don't know if it's true for you, maybe it's just a word for me, but um, I, I grew up in a, in a church environment where I had this image of God as a God who was ultimately going to get me for stuff. I mean, they didn't articulate that that often, but actually the reality was that was the impression that I had. That God was actually out because he knew all things and he knew me that ultimately he was going to get me for stuff. And God says, I'm not going to get you. I've got you. I'm not going to get you. I've got you. Look at verse five. The prophet says, I am the God of the whole earth. I've got it all. You don't have to worry. If If you... Invest in me. You're never going to lose out. I've got it. I'm the God of the whole earth. You make space for me. It's, it's, it's going to work out. And look at verse eight. My DNA is love. And my operating system is kindness. And if you ask me to fill you, what I'm going to fill you with is love and kindness. I'm not going to fill you with a fear. I'm going to fill you with love and kindness. And then if we haven't got time, but if you read the rest of the chapter, it's full of the promises of a God of peace and protection and provision. And God says, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. He says, if you decide to make space, if you clear some ground, if you cancel some stuff, if you prioritize me, I can handle your stuff. I can provide for your future. I can underwrite the things I provoke you into. And I've got your back. I've got you personally. I've got you corporately. I will be your comfort. I will be your peace. And I am with you, says Jesus. Make space. Make space. You can be confident in making space because he made space for you. Jesus left home so you can come home. Jesus submitted to the Father so you can know God as Father. Jesus gave his life so you could live make space for what God wants to do it's the breeding ground of miracles so so just a few thoughts do this with this whatever you want but here they are turn your phone off it has an off switch turn it off See if the battery life will be extended if you turn it off every now and again. Turn, turn off your phone. Leave it outside your bedroom. Buy yourself an old school alarm clock, digital one. It'll work. It'll help you. Turn off all your social media notifications. Do you really need it buzzing and interrupting everything that's going on in your life? I don't mean it's not good to use these things. I just mean you be in control of it, not... You in control? No, the other way around, whatever. Use, use the, the latest crisis in Facebook to delete Facebook. You'll thank me later. Seriously, it's 99% nonsense. It'll encourage you to compare your worst life with their best life. And it'll waste most of your life. Delete it. I'm not being employed by anybody. <laughs> say how about what even I mean, this is going to get dangerous and could get me sacked but say no to one of your kids extracurricular activities that'll help you they are not going to swim for Scotland be a concert pianist whilst doing the triple salco on ice it's not going to ruin their life if they don't have a go at every single thing and you don't be driving them, driving them, driving them driving. it'll just basically destroy your life And the thing that you think is helping your family will actually break your family. Spend time with your kids. But spend time with your kids with Jesus. Make space. Make space. If you're married, have a date night. This is where it gets really dangerous. I'm so sorry. I'm taking you away for a 25th wedding anniversary two nights. That's two months worth of... No, it's not. (laughs) If you're married... Have a date night. Put it in your diary. Do it. If you're not married, have a mate night. See what I did? It rhymes. But prioritize friendship. Because ultimately, ultimately, you have two things that are eternal you have God and people. You have God and people. Book an hour in the prayer room, it works. And and don't feel guilty about whatever you do in the no, not whatever you do in the prayer room. Pray in the prayer room. Listen to worship in the prayer room. Go to sleep in the prayer room. I don't care. Spend time in the presence of God. Start tithing and stop shopping. Well, I don't completely stop shopping because we all know I love clothes, so that'll be ridiculous. But but um, but make make that your priority. How am I going to sow into the kingdom of God? Get fit. It makes space. If you're not fit, you're wasting your time. You have no energy. You don't feel good about yourself. Get fit. Eat healthy-ish. <laughs> Sleep longer. Because you're going to need your body, and you're going to need your energy, and you're going to need your mind to make space. Join a community. Commit yourself to the vision of this church. What we have discovered, the people that feel like they're, they're part of something are people who have committed to something. Get yourself an accountability partner. Start reading the Bible. Try, try rooted. Come on Sundays. You know, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm so not the legalist. But, you know, when, when I grew up, it was awful. We had to be in church like three times on a Sunday or we were really backsliding. So I love the fact that I preach one sermon on a Sunday and then I say come to one gathering. But what's happened in, in, a, in my experience is if you're really committed to a community, you come twice a month. And, and, and if you come in once a month, you think you're in the inner circle, you know, which is fine, I get it, I understand it, because you've got a life, and get a life, and enjoy your life, but, but, but this is family, don't you want it? Dude, I'll shut up. Ask God who your friends are. And ask him why they're not his friends yet. And then bring them to an alpha course. I am so determined we're going to run one on Sunday mornings. If you can, if you showed up, on, how many of you were here on Friday night? I mean, how cool would it be if that was what we did on a Sunday morning every now and again? Four of you think that's great. I'm going to run with that. That's a majority. Those in favour, please, in. <laughs> Take a day off, Carl. Book a holiday. I don't I don't know what it is for you. You need you need to work that out with Jesus. But make some space. It's the breeding ground of miracles. Put your hand in the hand of God because your availability, married to his ability, is pretty significant. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, would you come? I'm going to do something that I didn't plan to do. But if, if in the quietness with every head bowed, you know that you need to make some space for God. Because life just got crazy. And the one who was the priority became less than the priority. And you want to, for your life to be a breeding ground for miracles i invite you to stand and I want to pray for you. If that's you, if you know, I want to make space. I want to find time. I want to go after the things of God. I want to make space with my money. I want to make space with my relationships. I want to indicate to God, I'm in. I'm in for this thing. I'd love to pray for you. This doesn't have to be an everyone thing. This is just, you know, if God's been speaking, if God was speaking to you through what was being said and you thought, I need to make some space, and you stand as an indication and I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. So, God, we just invite you now. We invite you into the craziness of our lives, into the agendas and the woulda, shoulda, couldas and the opportunities that we have, and our fears, and our disgraces, and our shame. And we invite you to come with your healing, miracle-working, visionary power. We invite you to come now and fill and fill and fill our lives. To overflowing with the fullness and goodness of God. Would you fill our lives? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill our lives? So that we would leave this place different because you filled our lives Exchange fear for faith and disgrace for grace. Holy Spirit, would you come? We ask this in the name of Jesus for his glory.